Let's stand again. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've been talking about relationships and how to be, how to build healthy relationships. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 uh, once again today. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, uh, I gain nothing. I remember as a young boy reading this passage and I was confused about it. I thought that what it was saying to me is I had to have somebody to love me. I had to have people to love me. I had to work at getting people to love me, and it's just the opposite of that. The call of this passage isn't for us to find somebody to love us. It's for us to determine to love others. And then he tells us, the Spirit tells us, exactly what love is. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Lord, help us to be your people on this earth. Help us to be a people formed by the things that you value and the things that you tell us are true. One of the things you tell us are true is that our life means nothing until we love others. And Father, as we examine the depth of that even a little bit more today, Father, sweep out the selfishness of our heart. Sweep out, Father, the wounds of our lives and help us to act in love towards others. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Relationships. The challenge over the last few weeks has been to look at our relationships, for you to look at yours, and see how healthy they are. To kind of examine the ones in your life and to ask yourself, are, are, are these good? Are they easy? Are they troubled? Are they joy-filled? With the understanding that only you can control you and relationships. You can't control them. You can only control how you act in a relationship. A healthy relationship starts with your desire for the other person. What does your heart want for the other people? And the foundation of a healthy relationship begins when we want the best for other people. This is what agape, which is this word in in Corinthians stands for this wanting the best for others. So this desire as a follower of Christ is not based on their actions towards us or even our proximity to other people. But this is how Christ is teaching us to see the world. Not to see the world through a lens of what do I want for me or even what is best for me or what serves me the most, but to see the, my, for the lens of my life to say, 
what, what do I have, what, what has God given me that will be able to help others have a better life and be a blessing to others? Jesus, talking about this issue, uh, is confronted by a man in Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test. And this lawyer says to Jesus, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? In other words, what do you see? And he answered, uh, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But desiring to justify himself, he says to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus has just told him that agape, wanting the best for other people, loving God with all of your heart, wanting the best for other people, is the answer to this chief question of, whether the heart's been changed. But this guy wants to cut some people out. He's got some people in mind that he doesn't necessarily want to be in that circle of loving others. And so he's wanting an excuse from Jesus to cast some of them out, to be rid of some of them. And so he asked Jesus this probing question, well, who is my neighbor? Who, who fits in this category a people that I really have to love. And it is right here that Jesus tells this man and tells the crowd that is listening the story. It's a story about a man traveling to Jericho, and as he's walking along the path, he comes upon a, a band of thieves and robbers. They come out, they, they beat him, they strip him of his clothes, they rob him of everything that he has, and they leave him on the road half dead. And then, then the story that Jesus tells takes a shocking turn to the crowd that is listening to it. They've all heard about these kind of things that would happen. But now he shocks them with the next statements. He tells them that as the man is laying in this ditch, that a priest goes by and just keeps going. And then he tells them that a Levite goes by and he just keeps going. And then he tells them that a Samaritan comes by and the Samaritan stops and helps him. He binds up his wounds. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him to the next community. He makes sure that his lodging and his health cares are taken care of, and he pays for them. This would be like saying to the crowd today that, that uh, you know, a, a man is, is fallen by the road and he's, he's injured and hurt for some reason, and the pastor drives by, the pastors drive by and do nothing. They just keep going. They look the other way. But not only do they go by, but all the Christians go by. All the church goes by. And they drive by and they do nothing. 
And then a person that this guy who's laying the ditch comes by, that this guy has taken advantage of in business. A guy that this guy laying in the ditch has verbally mistreated. A guy that this guy laying in the ditch has put down to, to others at every opportunity. That there's no reason why this guy would even want to stop for the guy that's laying in the ditch. But who stops? This guy stops. This guy comes and he, he binds up his wounds. He puts him bleeding in his own car. He takes him to a medical facility and tells him, I'm paying for all of his bills. He puts him in a hotel so that he's, he'll be taken care of and have a place to stay. And he pays for everything until the guy gets better. They're shocked at this story. The priest has walked by, the church, the, the pastor, the church. But the guy that they have this issue with has stopped and helped. And Jesus looks at them, looks at the man, and he says to him, okay, go and do that. Yeah, the person who's verbally abused you, that's your brother. Yeah, the one who has mistreated you, that's your brother. Yeah, the one that you've been prejudiced against, that's, and has been prejudiced against you, that's your brother. Their actions don't mean anything. What Jesus, our Lord, is calling us to do is he's calling us to live above the fray of this world's actions, above the things that they say, above the turmoil of even how they would treat us, above the response and the ugliness of this world, He's calling us to be a people who instead of being a part of the ugliness and instead of bearing the fruit of the ugliness, who choose to live above the ugliness. To overlook the wrong. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, chapter 5 says, love is, in, in, the, in the ESV version, says love is not irritable or resentful. If you read it in the New International Version, what it's saying is this. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It's not irritable. It's not easily. What does it mean? It means that, that the, the, the things of this world don't stir that person up to anger, but we overlook the wrong. What this means is that, that, that love allows some things to happen and still does not change its course because Jesus is alive in our hearts. We don't let the words and the actions of others impact the course of our life. In James chapter 1, James writes this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness, the right actions of God. We overlook the wrong. Does this mean we never get angry? No. But anger is not near the surface. 
We rest above the fray of most things in life. I, I want to give you a visual picture. So I'm going to ask Josiah and Michael to come up here and, and, and help me out. Uh, I want to give you a visual picture so you can see this. I, I'm, going to, I, I'm going to play the part of the Christ follower. So, And uh, Josiah is going to play the part here. And he's a little big for this. He's a little old for this. But he's helping me out today. So he's playing a part. Uh, he's, he's playing the part of the person who's trying to hurt me. And, and you, you know, you've got, this kind of, you've got to kind of play with this. This is words or actions. And have you ever seen this? You, you know, some, some older guy, and he's been giving the kid a hard time, and they're trying to hurt him. And he's swinging away, and the older guy, he's just kind of nonchalantly standing there, and this kid's swinging away. Did that ever happen to any of you when you were a little kid? And they just kind of held you back, or you did that to some little kid? See, and you just kind of hold them back, and they really... This is the picture we need to get of ourselves in the world. The world and others are trying to attack. You get in this picture, the world's trying to attack us, but we've got Jesus living in us. And we just say, no, no, I'm not going to let that bother me. And we just hold them at bay. Amen? Amen. Now, thank you, Josiah. Give Josiah a big hand. Now, I will grant to you that some problems are bigger than Josiah. Some, some are a little more toxic than that size of a problem. And if you try to hold that one back... What do they do to you? There's, there's not much, you, you know, you've got to work a little bit harder. This is why we say if it's a toxic situation, you better have some boundaries up that keep them away from you. Are you getting the picture? This is the picture we need to get in our lives of what Jesus is saying. Michael, thank you so much for helping out. Listen, th this love... Doesn't that, that Christ is calling us to is a love that doesn't make us vulnerable to every attack, but it's a love that lifts, lifts us above every attack. It's not a love that says, you've got to return to me exactly what I'm going to give to you. It's a love that says, I care so much about you that even when you don't return it to me, I'm going to still want the best for you. I'm not going to let your words, your actions, even if I have to get the big boundaries out, I'm not going to let your words and your actions direct me because Jesus has already directed me. And I'm going to want the best for you, and I'm going to be healed and above all of these things. Even when the anger needs to be controlled, we're looking for a way to look at others with health, for agape, love, to be at play in our relationships. We can't be easily provoked. We can't be easily angered. We've got to see ourselves through the lens that that anger and that, that being provoked really stirs us to unrighteousness, that the, the anger of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And at the core of our life, even when they don't want the best for us, just as even when we didn't want the best for Jesus, we've got to want the best for others. From small annoyances to purposeful attacks to hurtful words to outright abuses.
The Christian is called to let the Spirit of God help him rise above the fray. And like the good Samaritan, we continue to bind up the wounds. We continue to bring healing and care. We continue to minister and to love and to want the best for others, regardless of how they're responding to us. Now, not only does agape not get easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. The word that we're using here and the implication that's here is not that it's simply wiped from our memory, but it's that there's no record. This record is like a a ledger that keeps track of debt that's owed. That this person did this to me, and there's a weight in it that not only am I never going to forget it, but I'm never going to forget it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember what they did to me. We cannot feel even in the relationship until some way that debt is paid back and there is a desire in us to get payback. So actions might float through our mind of what we would do if we had the control and the ability and the opportunity to do them. We, we have words and conversations that flow through our mind that get mulled over and, and, and said over and over in our heart that if I ever had a chance to say this to them, this is what I would say. This is, this is what we think about how we would express our pain and we practice it in our, in our life, that this person needs to know how much they hurt me and how they, and how they, need, to, and how they need to feel the way I felt from their actions. There's an old Bob Dylan song where Bob Dylan sings about somebody who's hurt him or wounded him, been unkind to him, and he, tell, he says in this song, I wish for just a while you could walk in my shoes so that when you see, when, so that when I see you, you would know how I feel. He's saying, I wish you knew how dirty and how mad and how angry and how hurt I feel when I see you. And I wish you could experience that and know that. That's the part of following Christ that he tells us to give up. He tells us to let all that rest in his hands. See, here's the the issue. We can't really judge as justly as we think we can. Oh, it it may seem pretty evident, but we don't know, we, we still don't know all the causes of that person's actions. It may be gross and it may be completely unfair, but we still don't know the fullness of it. And so Jesus says, let revenge rest in my hands. The one who can judge every intent, the one who knows every reason, the one who knows every influence, let that rest in my hands. See, there may have been a wrong. There may need to even still be some big boundaries that we get up and and set up because Uh, We can't be healthy. But friends, we've got to lay revenge down because until we lay revenge down, we can't be. We're still being formed by what they said or did. We're still being made in the image of their action instead of in the image of who Christ is. That's not an easy thing for us to do when we've been hurt. It takes a lot of prayer. 
It takes a lot of confession. It takes a lot of time in the presence of God confessing exactly who and what we are and saying, God, I want to be formed by you. But here's the hard truth. The hard truth here is this. There's no way to get even. There's no way to get even. There's no way to get real satisfaction from the pain. They can admit it. They can apologize for it. They can try to pay us back. You can say your peace to them. You can tell them off. It still happened. You were still hurt. And at the end of everything that we do, it doesn't fix any of that. We can't, we, we can't, we can't do any of it. Neither, we can't fix it. We should, we should, try, we should. we should try in this aspect to learn how to be fixed instead of fixing it. Did, did you hear that? Our stri- we should strive in Christ to be fixed. Listen, that, those years of abandonment, you're not going to change that. That happened. The years of abuse, it took place. The mistreatment can't be redone. Not by them anyway. It can only be redone by God. Here's one of the great names of Jesus. We talk about Jesus being a redeemer. Jesus can redeem our sorrows. What does that mean? It means he can heal our broken hearts. What it means is he can come into our life and make things just as if they hadn't happened. Doesn't mean they didn't happen. Doesn't mean we forget that they happened. It means that the impact of what they have done in our lives no longer has effect. That thing that, that everybody would look at and see as so devastating that we experienced as so devastating suddenly loses its power to be devastating. Because the healing power of Jesus can move in our life and lift us above it. So instead of walking in that bitterness, instead of walking in that wound, instead of walking being shaped by mistrust or by that abuse or by whatever that thing that happened to you has formed you into, suddenly you become free from it, even though you know it was there. He had... He had to explore the depths of our actions. And he has explored the depths of their actions. And he knows why. And he will bring justice. But listen, Jesus offers to forgive us and to heal us. (laughs) And Jesus offers to heal them and forgive them. We can thank him. We we should rejoice that he offers to heal the ones who wound us the most and to forgive them because that means he's willing to forgive us and heal us. Jesus took all of our sin to the cross, all of it, all of your sin he took to the cross so it would be nailed there. And he took all of their sin to the cross so it could be nailed there. And they either go to that cross and get forgiven. I either go to that cross and receive his forgiveness or they have to pay for it 
and I have to pay for it for all eternity. And Jesus says, as you've been offered grace, offer grace for others. Lay the wrongs and the pain at Jesus' feet. He can make you just as if it had not happened. The memory's there, but the devastating pain, the corruption of the Spirit can be gone. At that point, all that is left is the ability to become a healing force in other people's lives who have been wounded by others themselves. As Jesus comes into our lives, his presence brings healing to our wounds. And he calls us to love others, even our enemies, because he doesn't want us to be formed by this world. He wants us to be reformed in his image. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, you, you're, you're so aware of how devastating this world can be in, in massive ways, in great ways, and Father, in individual lives. Some of us in this room, and probably all of us to some extent, have said or done things that hurt others. We ask for your forgiveness today. We ask for you to heal us today. And make us a people who would not do those things ever again. And where we can make them right, help us to make them right. Father, probably all of us in this room have been wounded and hurt by people at some level. Some at, at just small levels in life and others at great levels in life. But Lord, we don't want to be formed by our wounds and by our hurts. We want to be formed by the sacrifice of your son. So I pray for this congregation today. And Father, I, I pray that they would cry out to you and as they cry out to you for healing, that we would find the power of a redeeming Savior in our life. That Father, even though things have happened to us, that we are free from the fruit of that action. And we walk in the fruit of what your son has done for us, which begins with love. So, Lord, help us to live above the fray. Above the fray of what may happen to us tomorrow. Above the fray of what's happened to us in our past. Help us to be whole and healthy in you, we pray. Heal us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask prayer teams to come down to the front right now. As every head remains bowed and every eye closed. We said it just a second ago, friend. In your life and in my life and every one of our lives, Jesus went to the cross of Calvary. He paid for our sin so that we could receive the grace of God and be free from sin. And we're either going to come there and receive that free gift or we're going to pay for it for eternity. And I just want to give you a chance today, the opportunity today. I want to call you today to say, Lord, I want the fullness of Christ's work in my life. Now, first of all, to all Christians in this room, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, that you've been wounded. And you'll just 
just say to the Lord, Lord, I want your fullness in my life today. I want to be healed from my wounds. Will you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me right now. Raise your hand high. You want healed from some wounds, some things that have happened in your life. Father, you see the hands that are up right now. Lord, we, we don't want to be formed by them. We don't want to be made by them. We don't want the sour taste of them in our spirits any longer. And we ask you to do a redeeming work in our spirits. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The biggest decision, though, is this one. Are you a follower of Christ? Have you asked Christ to be the Lord of your life? And right now is this eternal moment where you can ask him to be the Savior of your soul. If you need to do that, then you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ to come into my life. I want him to be the Savior of my life. Just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. We'll look across this room for just a moment for anyone who will say, I need Christ to be my Savior today. Today. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. The Lord loves you. Anyone else, I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else today? God bless you. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I'm asking forgiveness. I put my faith in Jesus to be my Savior. And I surrender my life to Jesus to be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a chorus here. And as we do, if you have any prayer need, especially if you raised your hand for either one of those appeals, come down and let somebody pray with you. If you raised your hand today because you wanted to ask Christ in your life, as several of you did this morning, come down. We've got something to give to you that will help you in your walk with Christ. Uh, we love you. God loves you. And let us be a people who walk in love. Amen? Amen. Let's worship the Lord as people come for prayer.